It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. We will continue on a remorseless mission to squeeze Russia from the global economy piece by piece, day by day, and week by week. One thing, of course, we could also do is to make an open and unconditional offer to Ukrainian refugees to house in the United Kingdom. We haven't seen all of what Putin's going to do at the moment. We do not know what his end goal is. Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Caroline Hepker. Good afternoon, I'm Ewan Potts. Negotiators from Russia and Ukraine are set to hold further talks today after a weekend where Moscow stepped up its bombardment of western Ukraine close to the border with Poland. The US and China, meanwhile, plan to hold their first high-level in-person talks since Moscow's invasion. Well, it comes after US officials have said that Russia has asked China for military assistance for its war in Ukraine. When it comes to the refugee response, meanwhile, British families are now awaiting details on how they can help Ukrainians fleeing war. Local authorities will receive £10,000 per refugee to cover the costs. Households that commit to hosting Ukrainians for at least six months will get £350 per month. Well, the levelling up secretary, Michael Gove, insisted it's more than a bed that's being offered to Ukrainian refugees. We will also make sure that people who come here have the chance to work and get the support from the NHS, from education and from other services that they need. Well, over two and a half million people have now fled Ukraine, with almost 1.7 million crossing into Poland. Well, joining us now is Henry Smith, Conservative MP for Crawley. Henry, welcome to the programme. Thank you for being with us. Two and a half million people have fled Ukraine. The UK's managed to issue 3,000 visas. Is this really the best that Britain can do? Well, good morning. I think this is early days uh, with regard to the UK's assistance uh, for fleeing Ukrainian refugees. Obviously, what we have had is an emergency crisis uh, situation with Russia's unprovoked invasion of a sovereign democratic nation. We've seen huge flows of migrants, uh, probably the largest in Europe uh, since the end of the Second World War. Uh, And, of course, uh, we are about as far away geographically in Europe um, from uh, Ukraine. And therefore, you know, it has taken a while uh, for the implications to feed through. But I think we've seen a very full and generous offer from the British government uh, announced uh, in recent days. Surely that um, rhetoric can, does not stand up. And, and the idea that we're geographically far gets, you know, it, it, that is not an argument when these things can all be done online, doesn't really matter exactly the distance. Well, we do have uh, UK uh, Home Office um, immigration officials uh, in countries that are surrounding Ukraine, where most of the uh, where most of the refugees uh, have fled to, so in Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, uh, Romania, uh, and so forth, as well as centres in other parts of Europe, in addition to this country, uh, where Ukrainian refugees 
might uh, present themselves. I think it is um, important to recognize uh, that support for refugees close to Ukraine uh, in those bordering countries is very important as well. I think the vast majority of refugees obviously don't want to be fleeing their country. They want to be returning as soon as possible uh, to help uh, rebuild. Um, but I think the offer of, uh, you know, uh, £10,000 per refugee for local authorities uh, to support them and £350 a month uh, for those who are accommodating them, in addition to the other routes that are being made available, is Britain really playing its part? And also, of course, it's not just about the refugee crisis as a result of Russia's invasion, but it's Britain's diplomatic and military support. When I was in Ukraine in January in Kiev and also uh, in the uh, Donbass region, uh, the, uh, both the government officials and military commanders were very grateful uh, for the British assistance. Uh, so we need to make sure that Putin fails uh, in Ukraine so that we can stabilize the situation and people can return to rebuilding their country. Okay, on uh, energy, last week Shell apologised for buying Russian oil. Unlike many companies said it intends to pull out of the country altogether. Do you think it's time for the West to to step up sanctions now and stop buying Russian oil and oil products and, and diesel altogether? Well, we've seen an, impressive, an unprecedented um, package of sanctions, not just from the United Kingdom, but also... Uh, its allies against uh, Russia. Uh, and that, certainly from the UK perspective, includes uh, energy um, being supplied by Russia. There is a commitment to phase out all um, energy supplies from Russia by the end of this year. But we get less than 3% of our energy anyway uh, from Russia. Most of it comes from North Sea uh, resources. Um, and, um, you know, that is very important that I think that not only the UK uh, ends uh, its purchase of energy products from Russia, but other countries do as well. It's much more difficult for many other countries, Germany, for example, of course, uh, after the Fukushima accident, uh, phased out their nuclear power and a very reliance on Russian gas and coal. It's much more of a challenge for them uh, than it is for this country, um, who long ago moved away from that sort of dependence. The Prime Minister is reportedly planning to visit Saudi Arabia to ask um, that the kingdom pump more oil. I mean, surely we're just in danger of replacing one uh, unsavoury regime with another. They executed 81 men on Saturday. We spent years turning a blind eye to Russia's human rights record and perhaps their expansionist uh, uh, you know, um, ambitions. Um, are we just in danger of doing the same thing with Saudi? Well, I think it's important that we source our energy as a country, both for security and cost, uh, from as wider uh, from as wider sources as possible. Now, um, as I mentioned, most of our oil and gas uh, comes from the North Sea. Uh, the majority um, of our energy comes from that source. It's also very important that we continue our investment in renewable energy, and also, I would argue, nuclear as well. Uh, because uh, we need uh, a, sort of a, broad, uh, a broad supply, but also certainly in terms of the countries uh, that we are importing from. It's not just uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, Qatar um, is very important, um, as indeed I think will increasingly be uh, the United States as well. So I think it's uh, incumbent uh, on the governments of the UK to make sure that its citizens' uh, energy prices are as low as possible despite the global crisis situation we're in. And uh, that we have as much energy security as well. And uh, that means, um, you know, as a global uh, trading country, we need to source that uh, from the broadest possible um, 
number of countries and also internally uh, in, in terms of oil and gas mm. renewables here. The immediate danger, though, is that Russia's retaliation, and they've never done this before, so let's make that clear, but they could turn off oil and gas supplies to Europe if Putin really got frustrated. Is Britain really prepared to have the lights turned off? And that is what could happen, power shortages, uh, were the, that kind of retaliation, economic retaliation, to come from Russia. Well, I'm sure Russia are considering economic retaliation um, against the West. Uh, Putin is very determined that he uh, feels that he should be rebuilding some sort of Russian imperial or Soviet influence um, over Eastern Europe, he feels. Um, and you can understand the Russian psyche on this, that they feel that these were areas they controlled for effectively a couple of hundred years. And now um, these areas have decided their own democratic sovereign futures uh, away from Moscow's influence. So you can understand um, that he may well uh, retaliate uh, in terms of that. And we have to be prepared for that. And that's why, in uh, response to your uh, earlier question, we need to make sure that we are sourcing our supplies, uh, whether that be food or whether that be energy, although we're um, quite significantly um, grain uh, self-sufficient when it comes to food and obviously the impact of Ukraine, that we need to source them as as, uh, broadly as possible. I actually think the the threat is is, uh, worse than that. I think that um, if uh, Russia uses um, unacceptable uh, munitions uh, in Ukraine, uh, then it will increasingly draw NATO and the West in. And that is obviously a very dangerous situation indeed uh, for um, global conflict. What's your take on a, a no-fly zone? Would you like to see that implemented by NATO? Well, I think there are a couple of points on um, a no-fly zone. Um, first of all, it seems as though Russia is actually attacking Ukrainian armed forces and appallingly civilian targets as well. Uh, from ground um, operations. Mm. Um, They're not really operating in the air uh, to any great extent uh, in the daytime. Um, And actually, so most of the the, uh, offensive and the aggressive tactics from Russia are from the ground. So a no-fly zone probably would have limited strategic um, impact. But of course, secondly, there is the question of escalation. Of course, Ukraine isn't a member of NATO. It's not covered, therefore, by the Article 5 um, assurance of uh, mutual uh, defence. Um, if you know, a, a NATO jet or a NATO um, uh, soldier uh, were to come into uh, kinetic contact uh, with uh, Russians, that would be seen as an act of aggression by the Russians. By NATO, um, would really confirm what they've been claiming all along, and I think would lead to an extremely dangerous escalation indeed. We wouldn't then just be talking about the future of Kiev, we'd be talking about the future of London and New York and many other cities as well. That is an extremely serious note. Do you think that Britons, do you think that voters are really cognizant of that level of danger? Surely there has to be an off-ramp here. I think they should be cognizant of that because I think that is potentially how serious things are. Um, I hope the off-ramp is within the Kremlin. Um, I think we have to understand in the West how um, Moscow has felt humiliated over the last 30 years. They were once a superpower. Uh, They are no longer. Uh, Lands that were under Russian influence for a couple of centuries um, are no longer. They've seen former Soviet republics and satellite states join NATO, join the European Union, or have aspirations to do that. And I think there is a legitimate um, 
psychological threat uh, that they feel. But I think Putin has very much weaponized that and has chosen uh, to go down the path of aggression rather than um, the path of democratic choice of, of those peoples who were in former Russian or uh, Soviet-influenced areas. And I hope that he can be removed in turn. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Well, the UN has called it the fastest-moving refugee crisis since the Second World War. The government has faced intense criticism for a sluggish response and limited help to Ukrainians fleeing the war. But the need to apply for a visa in person has now been scrapped and replaced with an online application process. Plus, the levelling up Secretary Michael Gove will set out further details in Parliament today of a new scheme to offer Ukrainians a home here in Britain, offering £350 per month to those households who take up the Homes for Ukraine scheme and £10,000 for local authorities per refugee. So is this a step change? Joining us now is Andrea Cleaver, who is Chief Executive of the Welf- Welsh Refugee Council. Andrea, welcome to the programme. Thanks for being with us. 3,000 visas issued, says Michael Gove, to Ukrainians fleeing that dreadful war Why has it been so slow on the UK's part? I mean, compare it, let's say, to Ireland or much closer to the Ukrainians, to Poland. Yeah, thank you. It it really has been slow. I mean, when you look at the figures, you've got, you know, Poland taking in like over 1.5 million. And so our 3,000 visas really fall short. Um, I think Priti Patel really is uh, the main reason that we've been slow. There is a long history by Priti Patel of being um, hostile um, and not kind of really taking a compassionate, kind and humanitarian response to refugee crises. Um, I think, you know, I'm never quite sure why things take as long as they do. Um, I know staff within the Home Office are working round the clock, but I sometimes think it's the ideology from individuals like Kriti Patel that become the stumbling block on how things are done. Surely it's important to have a robust process in place for checking people's uh, identity, uh, checking that they're not going to pose uh, uh, any kind of threat once, whilst, whilst they're here? Well, I think it's interesting because um, the way that our government and Priti Patel has framed refugees is generally one that's done in a negative light and it's almost creating Britain like a fortress and seeing everyone that comes into our island as a threat. Um, and you have to remember, these are, these are people, you know, that are fleeing for their lives. These are people that are fleeing uh, Ukraine, where Russia isn't behaving under rules of kind of international law around war. Um, and so people really need urgent help. Um, and, you know... But that doesn't take away the need to check their, to check their identity, surely, and, and, and to be, be cautious about who's let into the country. Well, I think that kind of uh, rhetoric suggests that um, everyone's a threat. Uh, You know, the other EU nations have taken a more flexible approach to this, and certainly the government has announced 
that from Tuesday the 15th of March, that you'll no longer need to provide biometric information to apply under the Ukraine family scheme. So they're obviously recognising that there's different ways of doing things. I just wish it wasn't happening as a result of public pressure, but more as a result of thinking things through Hmm. in terms of what is the quickest and safest way to get people the support they need. What do you think, Andrea, then, of this new Homes for Ukraine scheme? You know, Michael Gove talks about it being more than just a bed. Um, I mean, in Poland, as you say, they've they've welcomed you know, 1.5 million people. And uh, the president of Poland was saying they've not had to build any uh, refugee centres. You know, all of those people have been absorbed into homes, uh, into hostels and other buildings. Um, what do you make of Britain's Homes for Ukraine? scheme? Well, I, th- I think it's a positive thing in one aspect, because I think the pop, you know, the, there's a large percentage of the population that are want to do something, and they've got the space and the room to do that. Um, and so in some ways, it's a good thing. Uh, in other ways, however, I am really disappointed in the UK government that they haven't opened up a refugee resettlement route like they did uh, with the Afghanistan situation in the summer. Um, and so the sector is really calling for the UK government to uh, have a resettlement target so that people can come through uh, safe routes and so they can get refugee status. At the moment, what we know is that people that are coming through the visa routes and people that are coming through the sponsorship route don't appear to be getting refugee status. Uh, and that's a concern for us. So do you think perhaps the government is is using the scheme as a way not to give people refugee status? Is that is that your is that what you're suggesting? I think the government is evolving what they're doing um, and it appears to be evolving in line with public pressure is my honest opinion and I think what we've got now may well be different to what we see in two weeks time Mm. when public pressure continues to increase and they realise that they can't do the minimum uh, possible. Okay, so sort of policy by uh, yeah by voter pressure. What do you make of the argument, which I've heard from a number of MPs, um, but particularly Conservative MPs, just like Henry Smith that we spoke to just earlier, saying that geographically the UK is quite far away and that perhaps refugees will want to stay closer to Ukraine in order to be able to to return. I, I put that to you because, as I say, I've heard it a number of times from Conservatives. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. Um, Generally speaking, uh, the majority of refugees in any conflict want to stay close uh, to their homeland. Um, And right across the world, when we see situations that cause refugee displacement, uh, typically around 85% of people will want to stay in those neighbouring countries. So we're not expecting to see the refugee numbers like we've seen in Slovakia or Hungary or Romania or Poland come to the UK. But what we're asking, really, is that Britain does its part. And at the moment, we don't feel that it is. You mentioned this, the, 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 the scheme with the uh, Afghan refugees. What's the latest on that? Because I, I know that a, a lot of uh, people from Afghanistan have w- w- been kept in hotels for a very long period of time. Has that situation improved in recent months? It has improved. Um, I understand there is a proportion of people that remain in temporary accommodation in hotels uh, and that the people are, uh, at the Home Office are going through that as quickly as possible. Um, I don't think they're given the resources that they're needed in order to do that quicker. 
Andrea, thank you so much for being with us. Very uh, interesting to have you on. As you say, as this situation is evolving, Britain's response to the refugee crisis in Ukraine. Andrea Cleaver is Chief Executive of the Welf- Welsh Refugee Council. Well, let's take a look at what else is making news in the world of politics today. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Leanne Gerrins. Leanne, thanks uh, uh, for joining us today. Now, uh, men's suits are in uh, the news this morning. What's the uh, What's the story there? You and good, well, good morning to you or good afternoon, which not sure which one, but yeah, you're completely correct. So it's no longer fashionable, apparently, to wear a suit if you are a man. And it survived 150 years of changing fashion, seen off the hippies and spared many men the dilemma of deciding what to wear. But the pandemic has proved the final nail in the coffin. So now men's suits are no longer suitable for measuring UK inflation. Inflation. That's a verdict of the Office for National Statistics, which has removed this suit from the UK's inflation basket. And it has been replaced with a more formal jacket and blazer. So yearly changes by the ONS reflect consumer spending patterns. And these are really still being reshaped by the pandemic. So for us females, Caroline, you know, <laughs> we've just been concentrating on the men and their fancy suits. Apparently, we're buying more sports bras and crop tops. And that's because we have been getting involved in fitness during the lockdown After and also lockdown <laughs> months. Yes, I, yes. He- I hear that. Yeah. And then apparently pet collars. You remember everywhere you went in the pandemic, they had puppies. So apparently pet collars are now also being added to this basket to represent um, what we are buying here what in the is- UK. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's a tricky problem because there's only one inflation rate, but we all buy different things. And I know a lot of people have been complaining that uh, poorer people buy a different basket of goods to people with with more money. And therefore, well, there are different yeah, inflation absolutely. rates. Absolutely. And this is what the Resolution Foundation was saying when they were pointing to 8% inflation in the autumn. They were saying that for poorer households who spend more on heating and so on, it's actually going to feel like 10% inflation. That is staggeringly high. And that's the kind of serious side to you know what goes into that basket. Basket, it's that we're all watching it because prices are rising. Leanne, you also are covering another story for us today um, linked to the refugee crisis. Uh, and this is sad, but also a bit hopeful. Ukrainian children with cancer have been brought to the UK for treatment. Yeah, very sad, but there seems to be a little bit of light here for these patients and for their parents, actually. And as we know, the war in Ukraine has now entered the 19th day and the need to really protect civilians in the country has become ever more pressing. So 21 Ukrainian children with cancer have been brought right here to the UK for treatment. You know, we have seen on the news that lots of um, air raids are, you know, we hear the sirens all the Mm. time. We've seen the bombing of that maternity ward. So it's almost like hospitals are now under really um, mass pressure in Ukraine. And the House Secretary, Savard Javid, has said the children would be offered the best possible care in hospitals around the country. So nine medics from Southampton Children's Hospital did fly to Poland to fetch these children. And hundreds of Ukrainians have seen their treatment interrupted by the war. And also, you were speaking to Anne. Andrea earlier about the UK launching its Home for Ukraine programme today Mm. to help Ukrainian refugees who have no family in the country to come and find a safe place to live. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London.
countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.